0: We're talking transfers on the tripe supper for the first probably many occasions I'd imagine over the summer. Uh, Vic, your, note, sorry, not your, notebook, your column this week was about uh, the need to strengthen but not to completely overhaul the squad and to kind of keep the nucleus that served Borough so well this year. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think, so, I, I guess, a, I know you don't want to deal in numbers, but a suitable number, what, what, you know? how are you looking, what, what would you think Borough should be looking to bring in this summer?
1: Well, I think we've spent two years building the machine. And it's an effective machine that's functional. Whether you, you like the style or not, you've got to accept it's effective and it, it's got us where we are. I think it's important not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And when we go up, I think we need, we need the same machine, but maybe some better component parts. And that, that should be the, the starting point. I don't expect any changes in tactics. I don't expect any changes fundamentally in approach. But I do think we'll get Better players to, to play in that, that system. We, we know that Karanka isn't one for massive flair players, so I don't think we should be thinking we are going to go out and spend 40 million quid on a marquee striker just because we've got the money. Uh, I think it's a, a question of uh, upgrading in every department, but not, not a radical overhaul, maybe one in each department. And I think the players that come in have to be players that suit the system. I don't think we should just go out and buy someone because they look really good on the YouTube clip or because they excite excite us. I think they have to be people who will improve the team
0: without actually fundamentally changing the framework. Because we spoke about this, John, haven't we, in the past, where there's that kind of fine line between rewarding those who got Borough into the Premier League but then equally being ruthless enough to accept that you are going to have to strengthen because you're going up a level and it, and it is a big step. So, um, but as we've touched on, they'll, they'll have been aware of that for, for a number of months, won't
2: they? Yeah, absolutely. It's the case every time a team goes up to the Premier League, isn't it? Um, I think reading Steve Gibson's interview saying that Borough are going to go, you know, have a go, uh, I think that everyone kind of expect all the players will have looked at that and thought, you know, we we really are starting from scratch now and we have to get back in pre-season and and really try and impress and if we don't, we'll be out the door. I think Vic's right uh, in terms of the machine that's been built. If you look at the teams that have gone up that have been successful, you know, certainly last year, um, Bournemouth and Watford, they didn't change the way they played in the Championship to the Premier League. They might have tweaked it, but generally, it was the same system that was successful for them in the Championship up to the Premier League just with better players um, to a lesser degree, obviously Norwich tried that, but they, at the other end of the spectrum, they didn't really bring in that quality player, that striker that they needed, which they always kind of needed, really, in the mm. championship. So that's the that's the balance that Borough have got to get. They've got to get the right players in the right positions. If they don't, then you know that's that's the warning that you know you will get found out in the level above. But equally, you can't rip up what has been a really successful kind of blueprint for the last two years. And well,
1: it raises several questions. One is. Is the gap technically between the bottom six in the, the Premier League and the top six in the Championship that big? Uh, there's an argument that it isn't, because most of the teams that have gone up in recent years have, have survived. Uh, there's also the question of... Uh, we've spent most of the season saying player X is good enough for the Premier League, player Y is being scouted by Premier you know, Premier League clubs. So clearly the, there's half a dozen players in, a, in the team that you would think... Should step up and maybe flourish in a, in a different environment, uh, you know we may get a situation where we have uh, the, the dynamics of a game suit borrow a bit more uh, this season we've perhaps been more effective when teams have, have come out and attacked us more and there 's a bit more space and certainly that will happen in the Premier League. Uh, our recent experience playing against Premier League sides i mean the, the the four cup games against teams that are in the Champions League. Borough actually acquitted themselves quite well. And I'm not buying the thing that they were playing weakened sides because Man City and Arsenal and, and to some extent Man United didn't play weakened sides at all. Uh, maybe it was a bit more sober sobering where Everton came here and, and fairly routinely beat us. But overall, those tests, Borough looked like they could handle themselves. So I don't think we should be in an alarmist position that you know we're way, way short... Um, I think it's important that you get the right players that fit the mix, fit the chemistry, and also go with the machine. That's not to say that I don't think Borough will spend, because I think, I think we will spend if it's the right players. You
0: talked there about the players who can make the step up. I mean, you look through the team. Do you think the vast majority in the team will look, or Karanka would look at the vast majority of the players who've been regulars this year and think they are equipped to make the step? Or do you think he'll know in his own mind... Player A, player A won't cut it. Player B won't cut it. You know, and and, and kind of look to, he have accepted that.
1: I, I think that'll have been part of his assessments over the, the 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 course of the last two years, and I think he will already mentally know which ones uh, he's got penciled in for next season, which ones probably get shipped out. I mean, I think they'd be completely ruthless, and that's fair enough. You know, there's no room for sentimentality. Uh, but I do think he. He is true to his philosophy, and he will give people a chance. I think if people are trying, you know, doing the business in pre-season, and I think he will give people a a chance. Mm. Uh, How big a chance, or how long you can afford to wait, with the transfer window closing quickly, is another question. I think
2: if you go back to a point that Victor's made about the technical difference between the two divisions, I think traditionally speaking, you know, many years ago, I reckon that teams probably will have gone up into the Premier League and probably found it more difficult defending against against better strikers. I think that's kind of turning its head now. I think that teams that go up can defend against teams in the Premier League we've seen. You know, I think middle of the way Middlesbrough are with their you know the best defence in England, they'll go up in the top flight and I think will be a pretty solid unit. It'll be hard to beat and you know in the, the way that current sets the team up they will they won't give much away. It'll be at the other end of the pitch yeah. that'll dictate how Middlesbrough will get on next year. I think the structure, the shape, you know, they've been building on it for years that will be the same. You expect the Yarla and Gibson to still be kind of there, you know, as the two, and then you'll have the two sitting, whether it be, you know, Clayton Ledbet or whatever. But it's that other, it's the other department that really sets a team that finishes, you know, seventh or eighth, and a team that finishes 16th, 17th. Yeah. And, and we know that that was the, the department this season that didn't necessarily click. So, so
0: with that in mind, you know, you know, you look at Bournemouth and and they were unfortunate with Wilson, but then they went out and signed a 4B, Watford, you know, Deeney, and and. Um, Agallo, Gallo, a Gallo, a Gallo uh, really, really hit it off there, or they did for the first half of the season at least. Do you think, you know, I know Andrew Glover touching it in his notebook this week. That Steve Gibson's forked out eighteen million pounds on his three strikers. Do you think there's enough there, or do you think that's one of the positions where, where Burrell again looked to strengthen? Well,
1: we've just been talking about this. I mean, I, I think there's something missing from that that department, and that is pace. You know, real, real, serious pace to cut through and, and get onto the end of the ball played by the number ten or, or whatever. Uh, I think that. You know, the, the, David Nugent's worked really hard, uh, but he hasn't got a sparkling record as, as a goal scorer in the top flight. Uh, Jordan Rhodes, we know, has got uh, ticks a lot of boxes, got a lot of attributes, but he hasn't played in the in the, the Premier League. Uh, so it kind of leaves us with a big question mark there, and that is, you know, do we have anyone that is a proven top flight goal scorer, or someone who can come in from outside with a pedigree that suggests they can be, and that that 's always the question in football is you know can you can you provide goals and that 's why they 're the expensive ones they 're the big ticket items because goals win games and there 's the importance of the number ten role as well in the general
2: yeah of course it 's the pair of them I, I think the number ten will be the more difficult one to actually fill. I think that obviously it'll be whether Ramirez, you know, they can get a package together that entices him back um, It'll be interesting, but certainly the striker I think we 're a they spent money on Jordan Rhodes I think in January and quite a lot of money on him with the view that he will be able to score goals in the Premier League and I mean I hear a lot of kind of things you know in pubs or whatever oh Jordan Rhodes won't you know he's struggling in the Championship he won't score in the Premier League I don't buy that I think every level, every club he's been at, he's scored goals. He finished the season with five and eight. He showed all the attributes, you know, th- to show that he's got a bit of everything about him. He probably should have ended the season with more goals for Middlesbrough. He could have scored five against Burnley. Exactly. And yeah. So, I, and I, we will look at people like Charlie Austin, that were kind of prolific in the Championship, that took a step up and all, you know. He has has scored goals, he can score goals, Daney, obviously Wilson you mentioned. These are all players that were in Jordan Rhodes's kind of position, you know, not too long ago. I think Rhodes will score goals, but as you say, it is it's the service that you know, behind him. That number ten role is pivotal. I mean I, I really like the look of Ramirez and Rhodes this season, albeit I think next year is gonna be even more difficult to get get that kind of little spark in that area. Can Burra get Ramirez, he He's probably top of the list at the minute, isn't he? But I mean, I think there'll be, a, there'll be a lot of people after him.
0: But surely, from his point of view, if he wants to stay in England, uh, it hasn't worked out for him at Southampton. I, I mean, I, I, the, I, I get the argument for Ramirez, I really do, but I, I think as well, he's you know let let's not build him up as, as to be some superstar who's an absolute must buy because he, he, he struggled in the Prem, he struggled with Southampton, well, he struggled with Hawley. He's got a point to prove. He, as well, he struggled
1: hasn't? for one of his seasons at Southampton because there was a managerial change and the, the new guy didn't fancy him. And he struggled in, at Hull in a, in a relegation battling side. was never
2: fit at all, was he? So
1: we, we don't know, is the bottom line. He's very highly rated in Italy, and there's a couple of clubs in Italy who take him, but they can't compete in wages, even with, they couldn't compete in, in, on wages with Middlesbrough in the Championship. So in the Premier League, they certainly couldn't. Uh, he has had an eye-catching couple of months, and that means that other clubs will, will be looking at him. So that our competition there is more likely to come from other Premier League clubs, possibly bottom half Premier League clubs, teams that have been promoted, and they'll see that you know he, he has got something, and every team in the Premier League now is automatically in the top thirty clubs in the world, so they can all afford it in terms of resources and wages. But I do think we've got a couple of cards in our hand. I mean, he, he wants to stay in England. Uh, he's come here and enjoyed his football. He's got compatriots here. Uh, that he's. He's been at a club for the first time where the fans are, 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 are chanting his name, where he where he's a hero, and and you know we shouldn't shouldn't dismiss that as a factor because that's part of the the, the thing that drives footballers on is is that that ego thing. So I think Borough have a lot of cards in their hand when it comes to to uh, sitting down with him. But I mean, right now, you know, he's on Cup of America duty, so. It, that's all up in the air. Do
0: you expect it by this time, John? Do you think it's yeah. something that'll it'll linger on? Yeah, so? I do
2: I don't expect much to happen. You know, while the Euros is on full stop, to be honest, it's always the case, isn't it? Um, the thing about the Ramirez that's the most attractive is that he, he's available on a free transfer. Yeah. Now, obviously, the wages are going to be a you know consideration, but if you look at the number ten, I mean, every team in the Premier League is constantly after a number 10. There's not many good ones around. Now, we don't know about Ramirez whether he can do it, but clearly someone you know, in Southampton fancied him a few years ago and pay 12 mil for him. Now, the thing that that is attractive is he, he's free, and how much would it cost to go and get another number 10? Mm. Um, you know, that. A Premier League kind of proven number ten of that, of that quality. It is a gamble. We don't know whether Ramirez mm. could do it, but we don't know if any of the no, of players not. could well, do it. And we also it. don't know what other possible candidates the that, that, that ITOR has in mind for, yeah. for that position. So, I think that is the position. You know, other than perhaps um, a goalkeeper, that that is the position that I'm really intrigued about this summer because there will be you know, targets there. Steve Gibson obviously said this week that you know the the, the shortlist has been already drawn up. You know, the Plan A is there. With the, with the names on it. It's going to be really intriguing, I think, that position of first starts there.
0: Goalkeeper, then, you touched on that there. I mean, obviously, it's no secret that Karanka has looked to, to, to purchase a goalkeeper. Obviously, he tried to get given last summer. Mejiaz, I guess, backfired on him. Agatsi came in, there was Jamal Blackman. Do you think, again, with that, is it, is, it, is it something, do you think he'll look abroad for a keeper, or do you think there'll be a tried and tested goalkeeper who, who's played in the Premier League who would have his eye on? He's
2: it's impossible to say, isn't it? I mean, I think he will have a really good look um, in the summer when Connor Ripley comes back. He's been making the noises. I'm not for any minute saying that he's going to be the number one next year, but I think that what Ito likes to do is have a real good look at people in pre-season and then judge it. Um, obviously, Thomas Mayer signed a a two year deal, didn't he? Last summer, he goes and through twenty eighteen.
0: Manchester United, for example, mm. there are signs. That but he hasn't
2: he hasn't played made a league appearance in is it fifteen months now? Mm. And he only gets on the bench if he wins the toss. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I <laughs> <And> mean, Agassi <laughs> was you know a bizarre signing. He obviously never never played. Full stop. I've never seen a keeper no, ball as much as he did in that second half against he didn't his, even play for the only right. 21 that was the odd thing I mean a few of the Borough players that are out of favour just never got against it. I don't know really I think Eitel will have a real good look before making the decision but the thing with goalkeepers is there's, there's plenty of them around yeah. and there's plenty of good goalkeepers around because every club has one first choice and then they have Two that potentially are on the market and available for the right price. Yeah,
1: and I, I don't think we should underestimate the pulling power of the Premier League as well. I mean, no. There will be top-class keepers in Spain, Italy, and France, no. desperate to get into the Premier League because it's you know it is the biggest show on earth right now, and that gives you significant muscle in the market. And in other in other countries, apart from the, the top two or three clubs, you know they're, they're not big payers. They probably can't compete. It should Borough go in with an offer. Uh, and I think Borough will spend for the right people, and we're in a, a, a probably you know once in a in a lifetime moment where Borough have the opportunity now to actually bring in their first choice people rather than have to haggle over sure. five grand here and you know a half a million pound there. And I, I think that that's what we'll see this summer. I think we'll see uh, pe- people the people coming in will be exactly who Karanka wants this time rather than. Let's see if we can get the best out of these four and sitting down and trying to haggle with four different people simultaneously and seeing which bits fall into place.
2: You'd love to know, you know, uh, at Carrow Road, obviously Norwich had just gone down, I'd love to know what the kind of feeling is there because is the feeling that it, it kind of seems like they just didn't have a go. It's like, you know, when, Burlington like Burley went down the year before, where? and that must be a real kind of pretty galling feeling, for, especially for obviously mm. Alex Neil, that they were up there, and that was the chance, and they just never really had a go, and I'm sure that Steve Gibson won't allow yeah. that to... We've I can understand with Burnley,
1: because when Burnley went up, it was their their chance to use that money to invest in a training ground, to tart the ground up, to do this, that, and the other, all the infrastructure things. And They used a lot of that money to do that, and they opted to do that rather than spend, and they took the chance but Norwich had been up the previous season, mm. so they should have done all the infrastructure work. You know, We've been at Carrow Road, it's a very well-appointed ground, they've got training ground. They didn't need to, to skimp on, on the play inside. side, so I find it a little bit strange that they were almost meek
0: about their existence in the Premier League. But with both with both Norwich and Burnley, at the start of the season, like you say Vic, you, you, you understand at the start of the season, especially with that Burnley team, you looked at that Burnley team and with respect it was never going to stay in the Premier League. Come January, they, they had half a chance, and that's where you think, hold on, we're still in with a shot. And that's we. where I Bournemouth know. did it
2: right this yeah, yeah. season because they were kind of just starting to dip. You know, they did very well actually when Wilson dropped out, but then they just started to dip a little bit, and then went, they went and got a phobia, and then he had his honeymoon period, and that was enough to keep him in the league eventually. Mm. Um, I'm not say by any means saying that you have to spend a lot of money to to have a go. You just need to get the right people in. I mean I'm so amazed that Norwich kind of went they, in the end they went for a Bamford. And, and
0: Stephen Naismith was the type of yeah. signing, wasn't yeah. it? The, yeah. but more of them I guess.
2: Yeah, but they just needed it across the picture, you know. I am sure that the Steve Gibson will look at kind of that and that bottom half of the Premier League it is it is achievable, isn't oh, it? Absolutely. Like it's, it's never. If you look a few, you know, many years ago, it was it was very difficult for teams coming up to compete. But especially next season, I think that the bottom seven or eight of the Premier League yeah. are all very and average.
1: And I, th- I think Borough have an advantage in that. I think the infrastructure is already in place to be a top flight club. And that uh, sometimes people only see what goes on on the pitch, and they think, oh, you know, we're we treading water and we finished in the playoffs, blah blah. But there's been a lot of work behind the scenes in terms of rebuilding the training, the medical, the nutrition, the analysis, the scouting, and to all intents and purposes, you know, Middlesbrough is already a Premier League club with the, with the, the infrastructure to to support it. So they're in a position of, of strength that you know they're going up there prepared. A lot of clubs when they go up, it's a, it's a massive uh, culture
0: shock almost, and it takes them a while to get used to it. But I don't think we'll we'll suffer that. Uh, one club, uh, I think you look at the type, the, when you talk about the infrastructure being in place, you look at the teams who are in the playoffs, it was Derby, you'd say that's the case, you'd say the case with Hull. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday have probably punched above the weight this year, but they've got an owner who's investing. And Brighton, again, are another club. And, and you can understand Hutton's frustration, having having lost in the playoffs, of, of finishing 15 points above Sheffield Wednesday, can't you, only to miss out. But I guess they, they'll, they've known that's part well,
1: of that. Yeah, I do and I don't, because you know, every, every team knows that from the start. Uh, You can't start complaining about the rules when when the the maths swing against you slightly. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, Borough lost last year in the final to a team they'd beat twice. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we know that fundamentally in sporting terms that the playoffs is not fair in terms of sporting balance and the team that finishes third deserves to go up. But it has been in place 20 years and everyone knows what the setup is. And if you were fifth or sixth, you wouldn't be saying, you know, actually... We're going to give our place up because you came third and you should go up. It doesn't work like that. I mean, it's everyone the
0: still were better weren't the other two. Of course worst. they were.
1: Yeah, and at the end of the day, uh, Brighton had four good chances to seal that place, uh, and you know they, they couldn't see off Burnley when they were they were a goal up. Uh, they, they couldn't beat Derby. Uh, they they came to Borough needing to win and really didn't look like they were they were setting out to do that. And then in the playoffs they they crumbled. So you, you can't.
0: I have a lot of sympathy with them in, in sport in terms. What well, I do have sympathy, though, I mean, you're saying the playoffs have crumbled. If you look at, if you look at that first leg, they were already without Stevens and Dunk, which, which if you compare with Borough, which I know, isn't a, it, which, you know you can't do realistically, but that's probably like taking Ayala and Clayton out of your team. And then they had Knockhart, Hemmed, Sidwell and another player, uh, Goldson, the centre-half yeah. who went off and, and they
2: finished the game with ten men. That's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but that's why you build a squad. Yeah. You know that you don't buy your first eleven. I mean, you could say exactly the same about Borough at Wembley. You know, Bamford was limping around on his crutches almost. He was a passenger, and you could say that's unfortunate that that came at the worst time. It, it happens, and I don't. Over two legs, I think Sheffield Wednesday, you know, did deserve to go through. I thought that. As Vic said, Brighton really did have their chances, you know, to to get the job done and didn't. And they never really they lacked that little bit of composure, which I was surprised about because I would have thought with a manager like Chris Hughton, who's done it, you know, before, albeit has tasted playoff disappointment before as well, that they, when the the pressure really was on and it really came to the boil, they looked a little bit kind of inexperienced, a little bit kind of youthful for me. Um, I mean, I'm, it's, it's going to be a really big ask for them to kind of firstly keep all the players next season and go again because I think it's going to be a really tough championship next year um, but I, is it fair? Well, I agree with it No, no it's not on, on that kind of balance but can they have any complaints? No, because when the time came they didn't produce it
0: Is there any Brighton players you'd be sniffing about then? Having, having obviously not won promotion
2: People will obviously
1: say knock-out However, I think we may have moved up a notch now. You know, last year you would think the knockout would improve Borough's squad. Now you think, well, a and probably the better option. Uh, Lewis Dunk looks solid enough. But again, I mean, I, I think mentally we have to recalibrate now and think that we're, we're not looking for players to get us out of the Championship. We're looking... Several rungs up, we're looking for players who are going to make sure that we not just survive but flourish in the Premier League.
2: Well, I think there are little gems to be hidden, I agree. Um, but one of I've said this way quite often that uh, you know there are little gems like the Cardiff goal, the goalkeeper David Marshall, he's yeah, one quality. who who would fit the bill, I Absolutely. think, if we're yeah. looking for you know Premier League experience. Yeah. And you wouldn't think it would take a great deal of money to get him out where he is. Now that's just me plucking a name yeah. out of the air. There are hidden gems there, but I guess that's. That's what Steve Gibson's you know, transfer lists and these meetings that are happening all this month are, are going to be doing. It'll be full of these lists. Who can they get out?
0: The, the hidden gems we've, we've been digging through the freebies list this week, <laughs> um, which was far more enjoyable than last year when we were making a case for Luciano, Becky or Matt Mills and the likes. There are a few standout names and then there are those, I guess, experienced campaigners who you can see. Um, but again, was there anyone? I mean, Tom Carroll was one of my pickers. I can't believe Spurs haven't tied down here. He's played 30 times this year. He was a regular for Swansea last year, England under 21 international. Who else caught your eye? I mean, obviously, we've published a piece where we've picked a couple each. But were there any standout names on there for you? I
2: think there was a couple. I mean, I, I mean, realistically, you know, some of them were on there. Like John Terry, who, who obviously you know, is going to go on and do whatever he wants. But I mean, I, I picked Alex Tetty. I mean, I, I think I had the third choice out of all of us. But I think that he could do a job, but equally I think that quite a few clubs will look at him. But, I mean, they're they're out of contract, probably, they argue for a reason. I think, obviously, Vickle mentioned James Morrison, which was the one kind of really interesting one I think that jumped off the list. Do a job is the brilliant yeah. term at this time mm-hmm. of year, isn't it? Yeah. You mentioned it, I think,
0: with, with Joy O'Brien, but mm-hmm. James Morrison... But that's only because it. I had to pick another one up. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah.
1: James Morrison, I think, is an interesting one. I think he ticks a lot of boxes because... He's got four hundred top flight games under his belt. You know he's he's still relatively young. I think he's he's twenty nine. He knows the the league. He's got a, he's, he's energetic. He works hard. He can play in several positions, and he's got a bit of nous. And if if we look at the borough squad, that's what they're actually missing. There's some good players in there, but they're mainly young players, and there's not that many who've actually played in the Premier League. You know, other than a handful of appearances, maybe. So having a, a couple of experienced players who, you know, who, who have the know-how in that league and have played at a decent level. in the, you know, the, the West Brom have, have had decent spells in, uh, over the years. Uh, they haven't always been relegation battlers, you know what I mean? So he, he's, he's got a good background, a good pedigree, and I think he'd be a good fit. He's a good, honest, down to bloke, and he, I think he'd be a good fit. I think he would be a Carrank I think that would work.
2: It was interesting the reports that came out this week saying that he would jump at the opportunity. I was just about to say that, yeah. Um, which doesn't surprise you, because he's born in Darlington, and his, you know, I'm sure his family and friends are up here, and he's been at West Brom for a long time. I think he's their second highest ever Premier League, you know, appearance maker. So that shows how long he's been there. Sometimes a new, a you know, change of scenery is good. Uh, we, we ran a poll, obviously, on the website, which is still on there, uh, about Morrison, and it, it seemed pretty divided last time I checked. Where some borough fans, you know, agree, saying, you know, he he's a proven Premier League footballer who, you know, one of the one of our own from the academy, that kind of thing w- would fit into the system, and another portion of the fans kind of said, well. And we don't want to be assembling kind of the, the squad that you know, got relegated Absolutely. and kind of yeah, moved I, I,
1: on. I, I wouldn't for a second think that that's a fact. This is not a sentimental issue. No. You know, I'm not. I don't think for a second. When I mean, it's a go player
0: around. alone, you bring him back, yeah. don't you? So
1: yeah, I, you, I wouldn't for a second think we should go around and re- reassembling Avengers Assemble. Yeah. You know, that, that's not Jason, what it's about.
0: Jason Kennedy, Adam <laughs> what it's about shows.
1: is this is a guy who is available on a free, who has got a really good Premier League track record. Mm. And, you know, we need, we're going to need three or four of those in, in the squad uh, to add, you know, the, the know-how. Plus, he's a good player.
2: No, I agree. I definitely agree. I think it was interesting. I was surprised that the poll was as split, you know, divided yeah, as it, it was, to be honest. I mean,
1: to be fair, most of the
0: others on that list I wouldn't have in a lucky bag. <laughs> no, no. No, well, that's it. But it is transfer uh, season after all, so this will be the first of many transfers discussing that, I would imagine. Cheers, fellas. Thanks a lot.